They called us deplorables. They shut down our country. They say our thoughts are disinformation. is our response, The Rob Carson Show. And it's a Thursday edition of The Rob Carson Show. There is uh, much happening in the world. And uh, we will get to all of it after we talk about this, uh, what is now, and uh, will we'll change actually, uh, is now a tropical storm, Ian, but it is expected to become a hurricane again. Uh, as it is pummeling Florida, um, uh, you know I'm not I'm not going to be your source for hurricane news. I'll just tell you that that's not what I uh, that's beyond my pay grade. But I'll keep you updated as to what is going on. Uh, certainly, it looks like there is uh, you know it, it's going to be a pretty high casualty event. They're saying several hundred people minimum, and uh, you know places like Fort Myers, Captiva, Captiva underwater, Captiva's a little island off Fort Myers. Went there years ago. They built a bridge uh, to Captiva years ago, and that bridge apparently is gone. So um, there is that. There's a lot of uh, flooding. The storm surge, which is uh, certainly uh, amazingly, uh, well, I shouldn't say amazing, but it is, uh, uh, I wouldn't say historical. It's happened before, but it is epic. Actually, somebody decided to criticize the governor. A Democrat decided to criticize Ron DeSantis. All right, and uh, the governor would have none of it. Administrator Chris Wells said today that she acknowledged concerns that uh, Florida, as, as was said, lacks response to the storm so far, and that whoa, some whoa, 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 whoa. give me a break! That is nonsense. Stop politicizing, okay? Stop it. We declared a state of emergency when this thing wasn't even formed. We've had people in here. You've had counties doing. Uh, they've done a lot of hard work. And, and honestly, you're trying to attack me, I get. But, like, you're attacking these other people who've worked very hard. And so so that's just totally false. I love that he does this, and he should, because nonsense. Um, I don't think we've ever, certainly since I've been governor, declared a state of emergency this early. Uh, we made sure that we were very inclusive with it. We said that there was a lot of uncertainty, and, and we've worked to make sure um, the preparations that have been done and all the this stuff you talk to the people at the counties when they've needed something stuff gets there very quickly because of what kevin and his team have done now one of the uh, the most um, uh, the best photos that i've seen thus far were the uh, rows of bucket trucks did you see that did you see the rows of bucket trucks all ready to rock and roll all ready to go out godspeed to uh, governor DeSantis and all of the first responders who are going to be uh, going through hell Here's the number, guys. It's 800-922-6680. I've got uh, some uh, the Democrat idiocy that we will point to. We will make fun of them. We will ridicule them. And, and ultimately, uh, we will celebrate the good of the American people as we get through this. Uh, let's take a break. The first break of the show. This is a Thursday edition of the Rob Carson Show. shut down our businesses and schools. They forced us to take a vaccine, and now they want our vote. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show, and uh, Hurricane Ian has become Tropical Storm. Ian will become Hurricane Ian again as it heads across the uh, 
state of Florida and then up the uh, eastern coast. I was talking to my uh, friend Brian, uh, one of the producers at uh, WCBM, and uh, and as it usually happens when a hurricane comes up the east coast, you know, places like Baltimore, D.C., they end up with some pretty uh, substantial rains, but it'll all pay, pale by comparison to what happened to Captiva, uh, what happened to Fort Myers, and, and as the day progresses, we'll learn more about this, but the most important thing right now is search and rescue is underway, so Godspeed to, uh, to everybody involved there. And I'm not going to give it, and I will, as soon as I, I, I want to vet a couple of places where you can give money. Last night they were talking about one on, uh, on Newsmax, they were talking about another one on uh, Fox, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I want to, if I'm going to ask you to give money, it'll be to one place and it'll be official. Um, I'm not usually a big Red Cross guy. For a number of reasons I won't get into. Uh, if you decide you want to uh, help the Red Cross, go for it. Uh, as far as private institutions, my personal favorite charity of my life and always will be the Salvation Army. So, uh, well, I'll just say it. The Red Cross, I got on the wrong side of the Red Cross after 9-11 because $1 billion was given to the Red Cross. The American people looked at all of these places that give money after 9-11 and they sent $1 billion to the Red Cross. Uh, it was meant for the people who were uh, the family of the people who are killed uh, or impacted by the World Trade Center, and uh, it didn't get to them. So unless that has changed, you can call and correct me, but it kind of put me on the wrong side of the, uh, of the Red Cross. And the most important thing yesterday, of all the things that Joe Biden said yesterday about the storm, and he didn't say anything about the storm, he did actually uh, recognize somebody in the audience who was dead. We'll get into that very shortly. Uh, he, uh, he, he didn't remember that two month, less than two months ago, uh, a congressional member of Congress died in the car accident. I did not want to take away from the tragedy of that family, don't get me wrong, but the President of the United States yesterday tried to acknowledge somebody who he had acknowledged online had died. So uh, we'll get to that. But here's a big president's announcement yesterday that was really, really important when people faced uh, the possibility of the destruction of their homes, the loss of power, the loss of livelihood and whatnot. Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Wow. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane Everything's more complicated when you're not vaccinated. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane or natural disaster hits. Yeah. Uh, we got 130 million doses of the vaccine, apparently, that Joe Biden's already bought and paid for to enrich his friends in Big Pharma and himself. Oh, and then listen to this. Listen to this. This is how low people go. Rachel Venman, the wife of Alexander Venman, who uh, was the source of the the leaked phone call that was harmless that Donald Trump made to the then uh, leader of Ukraine and uh, caused the first failed impeachment based on nothing. Anyway, his wife uh, issued a tweet jokingly suggesting that people should refer to the storm using they and them pronouns in a bid to irritate GOP Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, Venman, who's the co-host of the Suburban Women Problem (laughs) podcast, said that her tweet was not a hurricane joke, but a DeSantis joke. Because, are you ready? DeSantis is a joke. See what I did there? It wasn't a joke about the hurricane. It was a joke about Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis is a Okay, all right, okay, I got it. Let's go to uh, Claude in Baltimore. Claude, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? Rob, this, this climate change is a bunch of BS. First of all, Just a little. 
First of all, I like a lot. I like to say I want to I want to pray for our police officers and firefighters who are down there with this problem because some of the fire stations are flooded out, and I'll be doing I'll be doing something to help them as well. But you know this this is nonsense, and, and this woman here she's out of her mind. Joe Biden's out of his mind. He's talking about getting vaccinated. What a hurricane. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> yes, he's he's trying to get rid of that bread maker. Now, Claude, were you a former cop? Yeah, I was a former cop. All right, all right Claude, I want to I want to ask you this, bro. Because I I have never given up on my belief in the uh, in the police. Right. You you probably saw some things that we could only imagine right. while you were while you were a police officer. Right. Kind of put things in perspective to those who are going into the uh the eye of the damaged storm. Uh, police officers, firefighters, and whatnot. Uh, how do you prepare something like this? And after you've seen what you see, how do you get past it? Well, I was in Florida in for fight fires in '95 uh, when we had the bad brush fires down there, but yeah. we didn't see much damage there. But what these people are seeing now is is, is going to be hard on these guys, yeah. and they're going to just need to pray, you know, and and put God in their heart, and God will carry them through. But they're going to need to talk to somebody because there's 200 people dead. I mean, that's a lot to deal with, man. I know. And, I know. you know, these, these guys are doing the best they can. Yeah. And, so, All right. you know, defund the police. Let's defend the police. Amen, bro. Claude, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. When I uh, was selling cars, um, I had to sell cars for a couple of years to make a living while uh, waiting for talk radio to go, hey, that guy's pretty good. Uh, thank you, Chris Ruddy. I appreciate that. And I remember I talked to uh, uh, somebody who was a first responder in the Joplin tornado. The Joplin tornado was uh, a cat uh, uh, F5 tornado. It killed 170 people in Joplin, Missouri, a decade ago. And uh, and he told me the story where um, this father was uh, boy. This father uh, was looking for his son, and the uh, this man was a firefighter, and he found the son, and uh, he uh, saw that the, the son was non-responsive, most probably no longer living, um, and he reached back to cradle the son's um, head, and there wasn't anything there. That story... Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I kept it. And uh, I can't imagine how somebody would, would be able to move past that and, and live a normal life. But our firefighters and our first responders and our National Guard and our military, they all see this stuff. We never think about it until we need them. So uh, as much as the left would like to uh, shred people for offering thoughts and prayers after a school shooting, I think the power of the collective subconscious is epically powerful. So while we're uh, picking up the pieces down there, uh, hands clasp for sure. Uh, let's take a break. Um, I, I do have some other things I want to get to, including uh, <laughs> uh, our vice president uh, swearing allegiance to North Korea accidentally. We'll get to that very shortly. Your calls are welcome at 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. Say it loud and proud. Let's go, Brandon. It's the Rob Carson Show. This is the quote from Governor DeSantis about climate change. Quote, I am not in the pews of the church of the global warming leftists. 
This is what he thinks about climate change. And now his state is getting hit with one of the worst hurricanes well, that perhaps, they will ever see. Perhaps. Yeah, and that wasn't actually. It was like the fifth uh, worst hurricane that, uh, that, uh, that, that Florida has ever had. There was Hurricane Andrew. There are other hurricanes. There were hurricanes that hit, uh, you'll recall, um, uh, South Texas uh, around the turn of the century. There's another gigantic hurricane happened around 100 years ago, almost exactly 100 years ago in Florida. And it just happens. And, and honestly, when you start spewing this crap, and, and all it exists for is to, is to uh, stoke fear uh, and, and encourage, encourage the government to spend money on crap that doesn't work and bankrupt us, by the way. It's absolutely uh, absurd, and uh, and honestly, uh, we're just tired of. Uh, if you just want to be a, a child and you want to act like a moron, you just go right ahead. But there are serious adults here, trying to make things better in the state of Florida, like the governor of the uh, of the state of Florida. By the way, uh, just a, this is kind of just a humorous aside, real quick. A humorous aside. Uh, a lot of times when you're on the scene, you got to kind of wonder if your your news agency you work for really, really values you. Or they just want you dead when they send you to a hurricane zone. It's like, hey, Charlie, you know, uh, listen, hey, buddy, I know you haven't got a lot of work these days, but I think you could really come through for us on the old uh, hurricane coverage. Why don't you head on down? Well, it's got to be a Cat 4 or Cat 5. Yeah, but we need you down there, buddy. Head on. This could be. This is your big break right here. This is your big break. And, he, you know, Charlie goes off. And you see the guy yesterday who was almost laying sideways, and this branch came by and almost hit him and everything. you got to kind of wonder if it's your boss trying to get rid of you, maybe get you out of your contract so they don't have to pay out your severance, or if they really value as, you as a reporter. But anyway, that said, uh, uh, NBC reporter Kayla Gaylor uh, is getting teased online. She put a condom on her microphone while covering Hurricane Ian. Apparently, uh, the condom works pretty darn well to keep your microphone from getting wet. I <clears throat> Anyway, here it is. A lot of people are asking, what is on my microphone? It is what you think it is. It's a condom. It helps protect the gear. Well, thank God for that reservoir tip. We can't get these mics wet. There's a lot. You certainly wouldn't want a storm surge. Wind. It's a lot of rain. So we got to do what we got to do, and that is put a condom on the microphone. Yeah, and uh, then there were a lot of smart Alex online. <laughs> Should I say it? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, somebody tweeted, Kyla's getting pounded in the Naples area just south of where Ian's eye came on shore Wednesday. <laughs> she and tons of other TV reporters are out in the elements getting whipped by heavy wind and rain, but a little prophylactic preparation goes a long way. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, you know, just to the, the, the women who are listening, we never move beyond the, four, the, the age of 14 with regard to our sense of humor. I just thought you should know. Let's go to Sean in Live Oak, California. Sean, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. How are you, my friend? Oh, fine. And yourself? Glorious. What's up? Well, this whole thing that's uh, unfolding with this hurricane and all the uh, mm -hmm. delusions of the climate change. Yeah. Um, I know I sent you a picture and you remarked on it the, of my uh, polo shirt that says apostate of the church of man-made climate change. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, is I, that I have the perspective is I actually bought into that stuff for a while. Oh, did you? Yeah. And that's why I made up that shirt. It's just I that it. I just, I, what I thought was the science, I found out was scientific fraud. Yeah, it is. And I'm glad you saw the light, man. What made you, uh, other than stopping smoking really good weed, uh, what caused you to change your mind? <laughs> well, uh, it was first uh, the uh, climate gate. Yeah. 
And, you know, that hockey stick argument was something yes. that convinced me, and then I found out that was fraudulent. And the second thing that convinced me is when I saw a presentation by uh, Patrick Moore. Oh, yes. And he was yeah. explaining, well, you know, carbon dioxide is what plants need. All right, listen, Sean, I got to run, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for the co- contribution. I appreciate your story. Okay. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hour number two, uh, hour number two <laughs> of the Rob Carson Show on this uh, Thursday, and we will provide you with updates with regard to uh, Hurricane Ian, which is now uh, a tropical storm, but will become a hurricane again as it travels across uh, the state of Florida. Uh, also, uh, we have uh, Craig Shirley. He is uh, an author. A Newsmax contributor, presidential historian, and uh, is going to be talking about the great speeches of Donald Trump. And I want to I talk to him about just uh, presidents and leaders and their uh, speaking ability. And I was thinking about this last night, and I was watching some of this Georgia Maloney. Georgia Maloney! She's the uh, Italian premier uh, now. She's a, a, a elected Italian premier, first woman to be premier in Italy, but it wasn't a big historical thing because she's not a leftist, you see. If they would have been left, is that everybody needs to say, oh, my God, things are changed in Italy. I'm out of Italy. You know, and all that. Uh, but instead, they didn't because, you know, she's a conservative. But they do uh, speak to her uh, in, a, in bad ways by calling him or her, I should say. Could be either. I don't know if you're a you know, Democrat. But, uh, but uh, Mussolini, and, and nothing could be farther from the truth. And I'll, and I'll share that uh, very shortly, some thoughts on that. Um, but, uh, and as the show progresses, like I said, if we, if we have any new uh, updates on the storm, I'll definitely share it with it. Uh, I do want to mention the stupidity of, uh, of uh, climate change and all this nonsense. And, and I think for the first time, I think it's getting a little blowback. Uh, and uh, we saw it with, uh, for instance, Don Lemon yesterday. Uh, there was a guy on from uh, NOAA Weather, you know, whatever. And he kept trying to, you know, he ch- kept trying to, uh, you know, uh, send it, move it toward, oh, yeah, it's climate change. It's man-made global, global warming and all that stuff. And the guy's like, no, not really. No, it, this is a single weather event. This is, this is nonsense. And really, you just get tired of it. And I was reminded uh, just a few years ago, uh, this happened in 2015, there was a CNN anchor. Uh, I don't have the audio on this. I wish I did. Deborah Farrick was talking to Bill Nye, the science guy, who I think has a degree in accounting. I mean, he's not a science guy at all. He just got a TV show. He's host. He hosted a TV show. Really didn't know a lot about science, but he's able to read a teleprompter. He's able to do some experiments. He had some people kind of fluffing him a little bit, helping him out. It's kind of like the Property Brothers. I hate to bust your, uh, you know, bust your whatever your belief about the Property Brothers on HGTV. They're worth like two hundred million dollars, and one of them is a real estate agent, and the other one is a is a home improvement and interior designer. They're models. That's they're just good looking twins who are six four, and that's it. Uh, no, no uh, a carpenter in the right mind wears a uh, a double. What the hell is it? What, a belt, you know, wide black belt leather uh, with a, a double uh, eyelets in it, you know, a fashionable belt. You know, no, they don't. That's not what, that's what, no, it's nonsense. So same thing with Bill Nye. But anyway, she said, he was talking about it, there was a, uh, apparently there was an asteroid headed toward Earth or near Earth. And, and she actually asked him, she said, is, is this an effect perhaps of global warming or just some uh, meteoric occasion? 
and uh, Bill Nye had to uh, chase it because this is again the uh, the church of you know global global warming. Uh, these are perpetrated on the same people. They're the same people who put coexist spelled out in religious symbols on their Prius. They also have another, you know, it has the earth first and, and uh, love your mother with a picture of the earth and, you know, and that sort of stuff. And, and honestly, it's just uh, they, they rely on your ignorance and they rely of your sh- on your short-term memory. And, uh, and, and what happens with, with regard to climate change is a way to control people, all right? So, um, for instance, if you look at uh, COVID, all right, COVID, did you ever find the, the absolute symptoms across the board for COVID that would show you that you know what COVID is? Anybody? Because everything could have been COVID. They, I literally read a story. This guy ended up, he had COVID. He went to the hospital, had to have his leg amputated because of COVID. And so suddenly that was some sort of a, uh, a symptom of COVID. All right, so everything is a symptom of COVID. Uh, no matter what you have. If you have a sniffle, oh, yeah, it's COVID. I remember this. I went to a grocery store the first week of COVID. I coughed. This woman goes, you're coughing. And I said, well, first of all, I have acid reflux, and it manifests itself in a light cough periodically. And second of all, it's none of your business. So everything, And now everything is about climate change. So it was global cooling. Everybody was convinced there was going to be a Time magazine. They got an article that had the, the earth freezing on it. You know, global cooling. Global cooling. And then, and then it became uh, global warming. And then when global warming wasn't happening, then it was just climate change. Everything is, is climate change. Every storm that happens is climate change. Every power outage that happens is climate change. In California, if there's a wild brush fire, it's climate change. Guess what? Every year they have a fire in California. It just happens. I live in the, uh, in the, uh, right in the heart of Tornado Alley. And for the last mm, five years or so, as long as I've lived here, I've lived here seven years, no major tornadoes. And the, and the thunderstorms have really calmed down. It's a weather pattern. Uh, somebody said, well, that's because you know, it, it, the Tornado Alley is now in Maryland. I'm like, no, it isn't. You're high. It is not. Not one little bit. Climate changes. No amount of government spending, no amount of driving a stupid electric car, which is charged most likely by fossil fuels. Anybody in the Kansas City area who has a, uh, a fossil or has an electric car, you're a poser driving around in your, uh, you know, whatever the hell it is. Uh, it's run by a giant coal-fired plant south of town. I thought you should know. So your virtue signaling is moot, is, is absolutely uh, ridiculous. It, it is, it is uh, in other words, it is absolute nonsense. And with that, I'll play you again our brand new climate change theme song. Jim Gossett and climate I came up with this last night. Bigger and more costly. Climate change is ravaging the coast. Now, climate change in these extreme warm waters. Climate change intensifying hurricanes. And they say climate change is supercharging storm systems like this one. Liars on the storm. Liars on the storm. We blame the hurricane on fake climate change. We're liars on the storm. They tried it yesterday. We say the earth's too warm. And that somehow caused the storm. Global warming is our scheme to achieve our Marxist dream. We're liars on the storm. This is a pollutant. Me and my friend Al Gore We're dishonest to the core 
I've spread lies everywhere to become a billionaire. Watch my net worth soar. A pair of frogs we are, and Joe made me climate czar. We're liars on the storm. So, if liars on the storm, the elites of the world that preach climate it's not really that want you warm. to uh, drive a crappy electric car, live in a little a tiny home and all that. If they really believe that the earth was genuinely going to end, that now it's seven years, okay? It was 11, now it's seven. Uh, then before that, it was going to end in 1990, 2000, 2010, whatever. whatever. If they've all been wrong. That's the amazing thing about end of the world predictions. They've all been wrong. I just thought you should know that. Uh, they're all uh, nonsense. They are all absolute nonsense. And, uh, and they keep trying to perpetrate this on us, and they keep doing a face plant. I love it when they, you know, they're going to do a global warming conference in Oslo, and it ends up like the coldest weekend ever with massive amounts of snow. It's God's way of saying, hey, idiot, I'm in charge here. Okay? It's not because Joe Blow over there drives an SUV. Seriously. Uh, let's go to Mike in Nottingham, Maryland. Hello there, Mike, and welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's going on? Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my phone call. Yeah, what's up? Well, I wanted to say I listened to Mark Levin last night. Yes. And uh, Mark said that uh, the temperature over the last 15 years has been level yeah. and has even uh, cooled. Mm-hmm. And I find Mark Levin uh, credible and uh, I believe the people that watch The View have low IQs. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, why else would you subject yourself to that? I mean, I know a lot of women, uh, and I know a lot of women who look at that show and go, God, those guys are morons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? and, they, and they put on like this token uh, uh, conservative uh, Republican over here, and she's a joke. So, yeah, you, you definitely, when you, when you watch The View or you listen to AOC speak or Kamala Harris, you will lose IQ points, Mike. Just be careful, okay? okay even, when you, even when you stumble on it, even when you accidentally tune in, if you accidentally, if you just watch The View and you're just sitting there because you're too lazy to turn the channel, you'll just start going, and you'll just start drilling on yourself, and then it's over, and then you've you got to recover afterwards. That's the way it is. Watches The View, Rob. All right. <laughs> Thanks for the call, man. <sighs> Jackie Walorski. She died on August the 3rd. She was killed in a car crash. She's a conservative. And uh, Joe Biden was speaking yesterday and uh, had this uh, big, uh, I guess it's a, 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 a trying to uh, end, end uh, hunger in America by 2030. It's another program that the Democrats are proposing that won't do anything. Because uh, they, they've been doing this for decades. They started, did it in 1969. They had a great society and everything. Uh, nothing, nothing worked. It's just kind of weird how it happens that way. Uh, oh, it's the Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health, which we've never thought of before. Oh, my God, we've got to get people food. Anyway, uh, Joe Biden, uh, he uh, did not remember yesterday that someone who just died a couple months ago, and uh, think about this, didn't remember they died. And here he is at the podium. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here, for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor. Here, here's Trump. actually, let me, let me find a little better, a louder clip here. Hold it. Here it is. I play my own audio. Thank you very much. Like playing a guitar and singing. Because I believe we can use these advances to do even more to make America go. stronger and a healthier nation. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here for 
including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was was going to be here to help make this a reality. And um, this is really sad. And yesterday, for the first time, the media actually decided to say, wow, there's something wrong with the president's brain. I know. We uh, know that the emperor has been naked since he was campaigning. Not only is he naked, he's on a parade float with a marching band, a stripper pole, uh, uh, big uh, spotlights, and a big Cadillac right out in front with, uh, with horns on the hood. That's how naked he is. Um, I have uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre covering for the, uh, the president in just a second. I'll share that audio, and then we'll get into Kamala Harris siding with North Korea and our, our uh, alliance with North Korea. That was by accident, of course, because she's not a very smart person. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. There's only one Rob Carson on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's the Rob Carson Show. I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? Yeah, the only problem is uh, Jackie Wolarski uh, passed away. She was killed in a car accident a couple months ago. The president had actually uh, shared a statement online, uh, clearly didn't write it, uh, said he was shocked and saddened and praised her work on the uh, Hunger Conference, and uh, that was at the time she had passed away, and then he completely forgot about it. Here is uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre trying to cover for the president, and uh, let's just say it, he's, uh, he's majorly infer- infirmed. He has a major cognitive decline. There is no debating it anymore. There's certainly more evidence of this than climate change. And as he was naming folks, he, she was on top of mind, and he understands and knew that she was, he was going to see uh, her family on Friday uh, to, for this bill signing. Uh, again, I don't think it's all that unusual uh, to have someone top of mind. Yeah, it wouldn't be unusual um, if the president did do it all the time and his brain wasn't working. Here's a longer edition of that, uh, her addressing the question. I think that she's living and in the room. I don't find that confusing. No. I mean, I think many people can speak to sometimes when you have someone top of mind. Speak to dead people? They're a top of mind, exactly that. Yeah. Uh, and it is also people... I didn't, we didn't know it was, it's not, it wasn't a press conference. We were told it was a seance. Into the context 
it's not like it happened without outside of context, right? It happened at an event uh, where we were um, uh, we were calling out the champions, uh, congressional champions in particular of this uh, issue, this important issue yeah. uh, when it comes to food insecurity, something sure. that this administration yeah. has led on, yeah. led uh, on uh, from the beginning of this administration, sure. not just across the country, but, uh, but also. And as you're starting to stray off here to kind of distract and everything, everything. Uh, meanwhile, the press is a dead person, uh, dead person. No, no, no. There's all sorts. Then the inflation reduction the climate and the global cooling and warming and where kind of globally you heard him talk about food insecurity last i don't know where that came from week at the u.n and uh the investments that we have put forward uh as as the u as as the united states of america and helping and as the question about the dead congressperson fades into the rearview mirror of the press conference helping deal with that look he was at an event. You all saw. You all watched. Which yeah. is why you're asking the question. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he asked the question, and then we were asking the question because really we got weird. Where he was calling out again, uh, congressional leaders, uh, a bipartisan uh, leadership that we have seen on this particular. And on that, I uh, I just go ahead and resign because I'm terrible at this issue. And uh, again, he's going to see her family in just two days. And uh, she was on top of mine. I mean, I don't, that is, <laughs> I mean, that is, uh, that is not an unusual. Okay. Okay. You keep telling yourself that. I see dead people. Let's go to Shane in Australia. How you doing there, Shane? Welcome to the show. What's going on today? Yeah, g'day, Rob. I just rang to say um, I'm loving your energy and you're loving your program. I love your uh, passion and your patriotism, mate, because um, I'm a bit like you, mate, but a bit quieter and uh, not as energetic, but uh, it's about 320 6 a.m. in the morning, so you have to wow. my, uh, va- my vagueness, but um, my passion and my patriotism will never die, mate, because um, yes. both our forefathers um, fought in wars to uh, free other countries, and as you know, the history, mate. But look, um, one of our brave senators, which is quite strange, has broken a story yesterday, uh-huh. and uh, if anybody's interested, it's um, Australia is being plundered by foreign companies, and um, I've been looking at generational social psychological conditioning of the foreign corporatisation of the Australian system for many years now and my main concern is certain technologies that um, certain generations have been given that are unsafe, maybe you know, mobile phones and basically gaming machines which are grooming them subconsciously to have bad behaviours and, and unhealthy sure. behaviours. Sure. But, um, just in 2018, um, these foreign corporations that seem to be embedded in our country, you know, we talk about Russia and all the problems there, but um, you know, we've got to look at our own countries and you know, you're making it very clear the infiltration of your country and your governance being um, not really for the benefit of your yep. population. Now, Shane, Shane, are you, are you, let me ask you this, because uh, I was very, very disappointed in the leadership of Australia, and I think you should have been too. Uh, also, the uh, the leadership of uh, New Zealand, Jacinda Ahern, I mean, her name should be A-hole. That said, <laughs> I... I <laughs> I was I was very disappointed in the leadership of Australia because I always thought, and I know you, brother, and I know I think most people in Australia they they are just like Americans. They have the same spirit of rugged individualism, and yet they bent over and took it uh, with regard to COVID. Do you see maybe a kind of a turnaround in Australia with people like you uh, doing what they did in Italy and saying bull crap? We're going to change this thing. Are you seeing that in Australia? 
Oh, look, no, we're, we're tied down. You know, as I said, I study generational behaviour and I look at how they've generationally groomed us. And, you know, just give it to you straight, mate, um, our governance is full of traders and foreign agents and um, yeah, it's yeah. pretty well saturated. But Pauline Hanson, who is a patriot, has somehow... They put her in jail for a year just to teach oh, yeah. a lesson, but she, wa she won't shut up because she's a real patriot and she really cares about future generations. But um, the, the incredible wealth, if you saw, Rob, you know, from the mineral wealth that's been taken out of this country... Yeah. Just on average, we get um, mined 300 tonnes of gold. It just gets uh, 300 tonnes of gold a year, um, over a billion tonnes of coal, uh, which they sell to China. That's just to China each year, mate. Oh, that's so. happened all over. That's happened in Brazil. They're trying to overturn Brazil, put a liberal in charge there. China has uh, created a uh, uh, beachhead in uh, Brazil. So, yeah, they're doing it all over the world, man. Well, the big problem is, Rob, you know, the, the main one is, you know, I've studied the science in electromagnetic frequencies and, you know, from the top science who've done peer-reviewed studies. So my main concern, obviously, is the children's future. And we're in a trillion dollars debt now with all, for them raping all our, our resources, including our governance. They're also charging it for us, Rob, which is a classic, and we're in over a trillion dollars debt. And, yeah, more population. That's Shane, Shane, I got to run. I got. We're up on a hard break. I appreciate you checking in. I wonder if climate change affects the number Thanks, of Mike. babies. A babies will be eaten by dingoes. Is it? Is it climate change affects that? I'm just throwing it out there, Shane. Uh, Shane hung up on me. Uh, Shane emails me all the time. God bless your brother. You'll turn it around. People like you are going to turn it around. They're going to turn it around here as well. All right, we've got uh, more of this show, and it just gets better. Coming up. Joe Biden has always been a punchline. Now he's just a joke. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is a Rob Carson Show. We are going to be uh, sharing the audio of Kamala Harris uh, saying that we have a close working uh, relationship with North Korea. She went to a border, guys. This is crazy. She went to a border. She went to the DMZ between North and South Korea. She couldn't be bothered to go to the border in, uh, between the United States and Mexico. So we'll get to that very shortly. Uh, but right now, Craig Shirley, he is an author. He is a Newsmax contributor, by the way. Presidential historian, which is pretty awesome. And he's got a new book that is coming out on October the 4th called The Greatest Speeches of Donald Trump. He is in the uh, heart of Virginia, actually toward the East Coast. And, uh, and he joins us on the Newsmax hotline. Craig, how you doing, my friend? Hi, Rob. How are you this morning? I'm good, buddy. Now you, I well, this afternoon actually. I'm it, it sorry, I'm girl. Yes, I'm used to yeah, doing. Right. I'm used to doing morning shows, so I always say good morning. It's it's, but it's morning somewhere. Um, it's morning somewhere. <laughs> now, so you live on the coast of Virginia, Chesapeake Bay area, and you're expecting some pretty big old rain coming up the coast toward the end of this yes. week. Uh, what what are they yes. saying, by the way? Uh, they're just saying to button down and to, to stay inside gotcha. uh, look for uh, possible uh, power outages things like that but we're not going to get hit anywhere anyway uh the the way they did in uh, florida nothing yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that at all well joe biden says the most important thing you can do with a hurricane is to get your vaccine for COVID. so i, <laughs> I hope you did that you know and, and then yeah. then maybe board up your windows and get some potable water uh so let's talk about the uh, speeches of donald trump i, I want to talk about presidential speeches in general and, and great speakers in our history and there have been a, okay. some there have been some good ones uh, there have been some mediocre to poor. Uh, George yes. Bush, as much as I liked George W. Bush and George Herbert Walker, I guess. I mean, I'm not, not big fans of either one of them. They they Neither weren't am I. They, they weren't known for their speeches. Uh, no. Donald Trump, it, and here's here's why I used to. Uh, Donald Trump was not my choice originally for president, but as he was the became the uh, the. Uh, 
candidate, and uh, uh, and I saw the magic of his oration, which, by the way, is. I would venture to say uh, uh, probably the best thing is simplistic. It's not, and not meaning to sound stupid, but simplistic. Uh, yes. Easy to comprehend. Forward. Easy to comprehend. Uh, yes. and, and ebbs and flows. If you could describe Donald, Donald Trump's speeches, uh, how would you describe them and their appeal? Exactly the way you just described them, Rob. Forth, forthright, uh, s- simple, easy to communicate, uh, but resolute in their, uh, in their determination. Uh, very. I thought. I thought actually they were very good. And the reason. The reason, actually, uh, was Newsmax Humanix asked me to write the forward to the book, which I was happy to do. After I studied his speeches, I realized a lot of them were quite good. Yeah. And and uh, the and the reason he didn't get him out there is because a lot of them were blotted out by the national media. Yeah. They, they they blanketed uh, they they censored his speeches, yes. and which goes against the uh, the purpose of the whole bully pulpit anyway, which is to give a president a chance to speak his mind, just as Harry, uh, just as Teddy Roosevelt said, you know, back in uh, 1900, that the bully pulpit is to for a president to communicate clear and concise. Uh, and inspirational messages to the American people. Can I? Can unless I, you're, can, bl- can unless I, you're blotted out by the uh, by the media, by the, by me, the left wing uh, media. Let me posit this to you because I think I know the secret to it. I, I really do, and, and I'll tell you why. Because I've used the same principle. I, I discovered this principle. I've used this principle in broadcasting, and that is connection. That's what yes. he does. It, it's, it can, I always say as far as broadcasting, connection is as important as content. There are a million hosts today who are going to be talking about a hurricane. There are a million hosts who are going to be talking about, uh, about Kamala Harris and swearing her allegiance to North Korea. But there yes. is only one Rob Carson. Uh, when I looked at Donald Trump's speech, I looked forward to Donald Trump's speeches. A, policy. B, connection. C, humor. I, yes. I have never looked forward to a speech. But when Donald Trump speaks, and we air them frequently on Newsmax, I enjoy his speeches. Would you yes, say that's absolutely. a good? Would you say that is possibly one of the cores of his appeal? Absolutely, I would say uh, of the great speechifiers of the president of the twentieth, twentieth, twenty-first century. Yes, uh, I would say certainly Franklin Roosevelt. Yes, uh, certainly uh, John F. Kennedy. Oh yes, certainly. Martin Luther King Jr. Oh yes, uh, Ronald Reagan, <laughs> and then and then you kind of reach a dry patch with the Bushes and with Clinton and with Obama. They said nothing. Can anybody remember anything memorable? Anything any anybody them ever said? Can ever? Is there a, a yes? A, yes, I can. Know, is, I can. Hold on. Here, phrase? I got one. I got is one. There, is there uh, a bumper sticker phrase? I, I got it. I got it. Like a, I did not there, have sexual relations with that woman. There. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that wasn't a but speech. He never never said mind. Tear down this wall. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> no, and yeah. neither did the uh, Bushes either, for that matter. Yeah. Neither did Obama. Uh, but 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 uh, Trump had many memorable phrases. I'm reminded of one. Yes. When he when he was first uh, inaugurated as president, and he gave his inaugural address, and he said uh, he wanted to be president to all the American people, and I thought. Wow, what a contrast with uh, Biden's uh, uh, Nuremberg speech, in which he castigated half the American people. Oh yes, the the Philly, the Philly speech. It, the, the, it, it, Biden's. Let me just say this, Rob. Biden's speech, that speech, the Nuremberg speech, has replaced 
uh, Jimmy Carter's Malay speech yeah. as the worst presidential speech in the last hundred years. Yeah, and the thing about Biden is he feels that, or at least his handlers feel that, uh, anger is the only way to make an impact on an audience. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, yes. he, he, he uh, Donald Trump's his speeches ebb and flow. They're funny. He improvises. He he improvises a, probably a half of the speech, wouldn't you say? Yes. And, yeah, at least at and, least that. And, and I a think good president should be able to improvise. You know, Reagan. Some of his best speeches were uh, were uh, were were not from a set uh, uh, speech, but just. Just off the just off the cuff, just off the top of his head. Let's look at let me let me do a comparison beyond uh, presidential speeches. What about Ron DeSantis? What do you think of his uh, his ability? I, I, I think I think I think he's good. I, I would I would give him a gentleman C. Okay, all right. Who would you say who's speaking now uh, politically? Would you say is maybe A B range? Is there anybody that comes oh, to mind? I, I'll yeah. tell you right now. I'll tell you. Yeah. Georgia Maloney just elected prime minister in Italy. Even though, yeah. if you listen to her, even though you can't understand the, uh, the Italian, although I've heard English, her CPAC, CPAC speech was amazing. She ebbs and she flows and she uses emotion and she pauses. Right. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. A lot of the European conservatives still have or, or, or have gained a, uh, uh, a, a a fervor or a, deter, a set a set of deter, a set speech of determination. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find an American. Uh, I say order, but you know, to be an order, you got to be a good speaker. It's hard yeah, to find yeah. an American politician who's actually a good speaker. It's kind of a lost art in a way. You know, kind of like McGuff, McGuffey's readers aren't read either. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you think about it, Rob, is that. A uh, hundred years ago, this was a gift. You know, you would go to the uh, town gazebo on the Memorial Day or the Fourth mm-hmm. of July or uh, some other holiday, and the she, one of the entertainments, one of the one of the forms of entertainment would be a speech by a local or national uh, uh, politician, yeah. and he would give a very good speech on world affairs, on economic affairs, on yeah. American affairs, whatever. That is a lost art. It's it's surrendered to the soundbite, to the glib comment, uh, to a lack of knowledge. A lack, you know, the people don't read as much as they used to. They don't write as much as they used to. Uh, they might talk, but they don't talk well. Well, like, like, let's, let's use John Fetterman, the guy who's running for uh, Senate, oh, who, had, who, who had a stroke. He was bad before. Now he is severely brain-addled. By the way, it's starting to show up in the polls. His poll numbers are plummeting. Uh, are they? For that reason. Yeah, then and it's about time. I mean, honestly, if you can elect somebody. And, and this is what I'm worried about. And by the way, we're talking to uh, Craig Shirley, the author, news track contributor, uh, talking about the greatest speeches of Donald Trump. But um, but we're getting to the point where uh, for the because the Democrat Party has a slavish media uh they are literally avoiding debate uh fetterman his speeches are five minutes at best um and i and i have a feeling good point you're not gonna you're not gonna make history by stumbling through a speech you're not gonna make history by not being able to be a good speaker uh uh, we we could get elected you will get elected with uh, with glitz little glitzy little thirty second commercials, but not with long policy speeches. I I agree completely. So let me ask you this: um, Give me top. F- I'll, I'll just say three presidential speakers of all time. What do you think? Uh, uh, FDR, uh, Kennedy, and Reagan. 
Okay. Where would where would Donald Trump be on that list? He'd be he'd be uh, he'd be in in the second grouping, but be high in the second grouping. Of course, we can't we don't know what the speakers of the actually uh, of the uh, of of the nineteenth and eighteenth century yeah. sounded like and, and and like for instance, Thomas Jefferson only gave two public speeches in his life. Both his inaugural addresses were public, but those are the only two speeches he ever gave in his life. And I would have uh, loved to have been a fly on the wall when uh, Abraham Lincoln delivered the Gettysburg Address. Oh, sure, absolutely. Now, surely, surely the words, words. surely the words, surely the words. second inaugural address. Well, Finding up the nation's wounds. Yes, well, surely the words, but the witnesses also witnessed that and made it extraordinary. Otherwise, it would have just been another speech. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is fascinating. Uh, it is the greatest speeches of uh, Donald Trump, and and so how many speeches do they go through on this, and how do they dissect them uh, oh, with regard well, actually, to this? Actually, uh, my wife Zareen did. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I, we went through about uh, fifty speeches by Donald Trump, mm-hmm. fifty seventy five speeches, and we picked out the best twenty five that we thought. Yeah. Uh, his inaugural address. Yes. Uh, his address on on, uh, on Justice Comey, yes. uh, s- several other that were very very good, very there were there were good just down down the line good speeches. I love it. Listen, we got to run. I greatly appreciate you joining me today, Craig. Uh, the book is called uh, "The Greatest Speeches of Donald J. Trump." It's uh, available uh, August the fourth on Amazon. Uh, Craig, where can people find you on the social media? Oh, oh, thank you, Rob. Uh, they can find me at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Craig Sherwin Associates dot com. Uh, you know, do a Google on me. You can, it'll point you in a yeah, lot I'll show of you directions. A lot of All right, my brother. Have a glorious day in Virginia. Good luck with the rain this weekend, okay? Thank you, Rob, very, very much. You are very welcome. Do appreciate your uh, phone call. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. snowflakes and candy aisle kids crazier every day it's the rob carson show i want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like representative governor senator braun senator booker representative jackie are you here where's jackie i didn't think she was she was going to be here to help make this a reality. Yeah, that's uh problem is that Jackie died two months ago in a car accident, so uh, there's that, President Joe. I'm afraid that poor Joe Biden, his faculties are sliding. Yes, it's a sad refrain. This is Jim Gossett, by the way. On the edge, watch him teeter. He would be a better leader if he only had a brain. He does, it's just broken. That non-existent hand he's shaking, and all the gaffes Joe's making, his supporters can't explain. I live in Kansas, by the way. When he speaks, it's a gamble. I bet he wouldn't ramble if he only had a brain. Oh, I can't tell you why Joe Biden somehow got elected. Just hope November 8th. He and his kind will be rejected. Joe Biden, he's so dense, he doesn't have the sense to come in from the rain. He's worse than Jimmy Carter, but I bet he'd be much smarter if he only had a brain. So, uh, 56% of us have doubts about uh, Biden's mental condition. The other uh, 44% have the same condition. 
I just made that part up. But dear God, if you don't see it, how freaking clueless are you? So 56% of Americans have uh, doubts about Joe Biden's mental fitness uh, for serving as president. 44% said he was mentally fit. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, those same people answered their uh, you know alarm clock this morning by accident. Uh, but anyway, that's it. That's how many people think that his brain doesn't work. And then uh, there are those who know that... Uh, well, I, I mean, her her brain works fine. Uh, Kamala Harris's brain works fine. She's just an ignoramus. No, actually, no, she's not even an ignoramus. Because anybody can be an ignoramus, right? I mean, there's being ignorant, and then there's being intelligent. Ignorant is when, you know, you can, you know, Stephen Hawking doesn't know anything, didn't know anything about baseball. I almost pretended like he was alive, like Joe Biden. No. But, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking, you wouldn't expect him to know a lot about baseball statistics. So he would be ignorant of those facts. But he's still a genius. You see what I'm talking about? Not only is uh, Kamala Harris ignorant of facts, she's also an idiot. Uh, you know, and, and the way she speaks. If, I mean, if you don't recognize them, listen, I have my own speech patterns that I'm not crazy about. I probably say, um, or, uh, a few too many times. I get it. But I don't repeat nonsense constantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do, because you're concerned. Hey, shut up, whatever. Kiss my butt. Uh, anyway, here is, uh, here's Kamala uh, talking about our alliance with North Korea. And we're not uh, allied with uh, North Korea because they're a totalitarian regime, regime that puts uh, entire generations of families in uh, gulags uh, because, of, uh, because of speech, because uh, they speak out against the government or don't light a candle in front of the votive candle for the dear leader. But here she is uh, swearing uh, her allegiance and our allegiance to North Korea. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. Okay, so, you know, there, there you go. This is a little slip of the tongue, which could have been one of the reasons why she, you know, she's moved up. But anyway, um, but th that's, you know, one little slip of the tongue near North Korea. I know, I know, it happens, it happens. But then there's uh, this other things that have happened uh, the last week or so, including uh, uh, talking about her trip to Australia on uh, Sky News but it is significant that we are here together in Tokyo um, in that we also share a common goal and bond as it relates to our dedication to peace and security. Okay, now, now she's not going to repeat stuff like she normally does. She's just going to descend into nonsense. Indo-Pacific and the work that we will continue to do to ensure that we are guided by what we are joined in in terms of uh, international rules and norms around the importance of peace, security, and prosperity for the Indo-Pacific. So I look forward to our conversation. I just get to see you. Yeah, normally when you're engaged in a conversation and it starts to trail off like that, you say, say, who wants some more coffee? Maybe something like that. I'm just, maybe, anybody? I'm, I'm going to the kitchen. you guys need something? You need, you need something because this, I mean, because otherwise I'm just going to want to kill myself. Here she is doing the repeaty thing. Um, this is about uh, uh, the work we must do. This, is, uh, this was featured on Newsmax, by the way. Activities. Today, the business of our work is for the council to report on the work that has occurred While since our last meeting across these areas. In the work. We will today also discuss the work Yet ahead, the work we must still do to continue to move forward. And as we work, we must work to do more work. Because otherwise, it's not going to work. You know you know what I mean? Can I get, you guys need some coffee. I'm going to the kitchen. I got some uh, little finger sandwiches out there, you know. Boy, how do, we, uh, how do we get these people in office? Other than, I mean, stealing an election. 
how do we get uh, such people in office? Honestly, uh, and for those of you who think, you know, if you think that the best and brightest uh, of all of us exist in the federal government, you'd be wrong. Um, there are some really bright, brilliant people, but, but uh, as far as the private industry is concerned, I think you're better off with the people running companies and stuff because they can get fired when they do stupid crap like that. Uh, or, you know, everything that Joe Biden has done to the country in the last two years. Let's take a break, shall we? You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. They called us deplorables. They shut down our country. They say our thoughts are disinformation. is our response the rob carson show one more hour of the show today and we've got so much to get to and i maybe we need to make this show four hours i don't know uh or maybe just do another hour we'll work we'll work on it but i promise you you will uh you'll enjoy and and hope we'll be informed by the uh the next hour the last hour of the show today uh devastated floridians return to see the horror of what's left uh uh, it was, you know, obviously it's not over. It's got a long way to go. Hurricane Ian uh, hit the uh, the west in the middle of Florida, went across the state, is in the process of going across the state. Uh, authorities are saying there could be uh, hundreds of uh, casualties. Of course, it's uh, it's it's horrific. It's horrific. Um, but we are seeing, I think, we're not seeing a void of leadership or a crisis of leadership like we did, I don't know, in 2005 with Hurricane Andrew. Uh, it appears that Ron DeSantis has been uh, ahead of it. And it also appears, finally, uh, the federal government has decided not to be petty. And they're actually uh, putting their backs into the effort uh, with FEMA. I'll tell you, by the way, don't give money to FEMA. Uh, that's a government agency. They're funded. Don't do that. Uh, if I were going to make pot, there are some agencies in Florida that I would consider. I don't think it's necessary to give money to FEMA. Uh, you make up your own mind. I'm just I, I a couple places I wouldn't give money. I wouldn't give money to uh, FEMA. I would give money to the uh, Salvation Army. Um, but you know, uh, follow. I'm not going to try to guide your money anywhere. I just you know, uh, I know that if if we're willing to come out and give five hundred thousand dollars to somebody on GoFundMe, certainly we can come up with a lot more to help out those who are uh, really really hurting right now. And I I can't imagine Florida has been through this. Don't get me wrong, but this one is uh, this is epic. I, I'm from Tornado Alley, and um, and I've seen the damage that a tornado can cause. And I've I've been actually in a in my home in a in a cave. We had a shelter outside, like in the movie uh, Twister. We had one of those, and uh, and so I've seen the uh, the horror of a of a tornado passing over your house and tearing down trees. I've never had to sit through 155 mile an hour winds for hours. Nobody can begin to comprehend that. Uh, tornadoes are devastating. They're terrifying. They're the stuff of nightmares. But most tornadoes don't hit anything. When you got a hurricane, and I was having a talk to somebody about this yesterday, it's the size of Texas. Uh, to get to one side or the other, a hurricane be a 12-hour drive. That's the storm. Tornadoes on their worst, a mile wide. 
So uh, it's uh, it's epic. It is epic, and uh, they're sending in Chinook helicopters. They're doing everything they can right now uh, to pick up the pieces while things have kind of quieted down. So uh, Godspeed, God bless. Hands clasped. Hands clasped, for sure. <sighs> Got a lot of things I want to get to uh, this hour. Let's talk a little bit about the economy, a little bit about the economy. economy is kind of... Um, Sucking wind, and uh, I was noticing uh, there's been some talk that the uh, recession that we're in, by the way, but suddenly isn't a recession because Joe Biden is in office. Uh, the recession is on, and it looks like things are going to get a whole lot worse. This is economist Stanley Drunkenmiller, Drunkenmiller, not Drunkenmiller, uh, talking on CNBC about what's coming next year. If we don't have a recession in 23, don't know the timing, but certainly by the end of 23. I will not be surprised if it's not larger than the so-called average garden variety. They're saying it's going to be a lot worse than just a recession. And by the way, we're already in a recession. And I don't rule out, not my forecast, but I don't rule out something really bad. Why? Mm. Because if you look at the liquidity situation that has driven this, um, we're going to go from all this QE to QT we're following an asset bubble. Um, we've been doing all this uh, running down on the SBR, which is now, that's the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Yes. It's now below 84 levels. There is that. Even though, obviously, oil consumption is much higher. Now, here is an Obama economist, Larry Summers, talking on a uh, panel about uh, when Donald Trump was the president and what he left. Basically had inflation under control huh. for 40 years, despite the fact that the price of oil fluctuated, despite the fact that there were all kinds... Uh, record low inflation while Donald Trump was the president, uh, between 1 and 2%. ...of uh, supply shocks. With Obama's about 8% at its height. Um, we lost the... No, no, it was closer to 10 at one point. Red. Uh, along with many other countries, um, about a year and a half ago, with massively expansionary policies relative to the size of the GDP gap. The fiscal stimulus was five times as large as it had been during the financial crisis. What are we going to do? We're going to comb through his entire statement, find the. I don't know where that came from, but yeah, you know. I mentioned yesterday, 65% of us are looking for more work. Christmas is coming. And uh, this is going to be a tough one for a lot of people. So, we suffer through this. We suffer through this. We soldier on. And we look forward to uh, November the 8th. To November the 8th. Um, I, I, I saw a couple of things I want to share with you um, that I think are very important. Uh, I worry about um, my family, those who've had uh, COVID vaccines. Um, I uh, didn't want my kids to take them. They took them. And then, then that's their decision. That's their decision. My wife took her uh, COVID vaccine. I did not take a COVID vaccine because I had uh, a mitocardial infarction when I was 31 years old. And the reason being is I had uh, a strep and I threw a blood clot. And uh, it was weird because I, one day I'm bitch pressing 400 pounds. The next day I'm told not to push too hard in the bathroom. That's weird when, when they do that, you know, and they tell you, yeah, don't push too hard. You're putting a strain on your heart, you know. 
So I had to start out uh, walking on a treadmill at one mile an hour, and uh, and then had to fight back from that. It was it was it was uh, rough, to say the least, as a thirty-one-year-old man. But uh, I go to the gym and I don't worry about it anymore. Used to I had to carry a nitroglycerin in my pocket for a year. That's fun. You know, and you start having pa- phantom pains. You're like, oh, boy, oh, my God, is that a pain? Is that, was I working out? Yes, I feel it's a pain in my chest. And then, then your mind starts going. Then it starts to get worse. And you realize it's all psychosomatic. It's all making yourself do that. Kind of weird. A little aside. I decided to share that with you. That's why I didn't get the vaccine. But uh, yesterday I saw um, Dr. Christina Galley, director of the Los Angeles County Department of uh, Health Services, and she revealed that, and we've heard this before, and, and from the beginning of uh, COVID, I've always said it was overplayed. Uh, even Deborah Burke said it was overplayed for the election, uh, and then it was overplayed by globalists and others who wanted to uh, gain control, shut down the economy, make people dependent. I can go on and on. Uh, and, and someday we will have to have Nuremberg trials for the people who perpetrated this on all of us. Anyway, this uh, Dr. Christina Gailey revealed, now we've heard this before, people going to the hospital. And, and remember, with the, the emergency rooms were full of people with COVID. Well, I never went to an emergency room here that was ever filled with people from, with COVID. And there were never any body pits behind uh, Walmart. There were never any body pits behind Home Depot that they stayed open. Liquor stores stayed open the whole deal. Uh, there were no body pits or no class action lawsuits against the, uh, you know, Walmart for keeping the stores open. Uh, duh. Listen. Pay attention. Worst pandemic ever. Where are the body pits? Come on, guys. So anyway, uh, they, some people just show up, and they, they will, uh, and, and uh, the previous CDC director, um, uh, Robert, uh, draw a blank on his name. Anyway, he said there was a perverse incentive for hospitals to diagnose COVID, and it was money. It was money. So people go in with a broken ankle to the hospital, get tested positive for COVID. PCR tests tend to give false positives for, uh, you know, for a while. It happens all the time. And so they'd say, oh, positive COVID test. You need to get in the hospital and be hospitalized for COVID, and we need to get paid. I mean, we need to heal you. How many do you suppose went to the hospital who didn't have COVID, who ended up getting diagnosed and treated for COVID, even though they didn't go there for it? Well, I'll just go ahead and play the soundbite and let you freak out over it. Here it is. On the number of COVID-19 inpatients, what, and you may have said it, and I apologize if you did, so you may have to repeat it. What percentage were admitted for COVID and what percentage were admitted and then tested positive for COVID? This is for the four DHS hospitals. Where and she's still wearing a mask yesterday. Where we do the manual chart reviews to look at that. 10% are admitted to the hospital for COVID and 90% are there for incidental finding, but they're primarily there for another reason. Whoa. Did you just hear that? I need, you to, I need you to stop, rewind, pause, play. To look at that, 10% are admitted to the hospital for COVID, and 90% are there for incidental finding, but they're primarily there for another reason. Oh, there you go. 90% of people going to the hospital for something else ended up getting diagnosed with COVID and treated for COVID because somebody got paid. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Johns Hopkins and Harvard have found that COVID-19 vaccines are 98 times worse than the virus. What? Yeah. 
A new preprint study by nine health experts from major universities showed that COVID-19 vaccines are 98, 98 times worse than the virus and a mandatory booster vaccination in college is ethnically unjustifiable. The uh, Social Science Research Network, SSRN, in September titled COVID-19 Vaccine Boosters for Young Adults, a Risk-Benefit Analysis and Five Ethical Arguments Against Mandates at Universities. By the way, this is for younger people, by the way. For every one COVID hospitalization prevented in previously uninfected adults, 18 to 98 actual serious adverse events have been caused. Meaning, uh, you know, maybe uh, mitocarditis. And it's kind of weird. Here's a hospital in New York, and, and hospitals run ads. And what they do is they, they try to convince you, hey, man, if you're going to have this, why don't you come here and get treated for it? And oddly enough, out of nowhere, this season, they need to run ads for children with mitocarditis. I've been into fashion since I can remember. But one day, I had a stomachache so bad, I didn't want to do anything. The team at New York Presbyterian said it was actually my heart. It was severely swollen. Something called myocarditis. Oh, this happens all the time. Oh, no, never. But doctors gave me medicines and used machines to control my heartbeat. They saved me. So now I can become the next great fashion designer. And then, of course, she goes to her mom and tugs on her shirt sleeve and says, Hey, Mom, uh, I think we need to go to... Uh, I think we need to go to the hospital because it might have myocarditis. That's how that works. I've got a nurse on the other side of this break who uh, who shares her story uh, in a hearing with regard to uh, the vaccine and vaccine injuries. And I'm not saying everybody who got the vaccine is vaccine injured. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the government has hawked a lot of vaccines for people who never freaking needed it. And there's only one reason for it. Ka-ching. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. He got 81 million votes. Yeah, right. It's The Rob Carson Show. Don't worry. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Mark Meckler, Convention of the State, is going to talk about uh, 77% of Americans will not vote for somebody who supports uh, Democrat failed policies of defunding the police and, uh, and all of the other nonsense they've done to uh, tie the hands of law enforcement in Democrat cities around the country. Uh, people are mad, and uh, there's, no, uh, there's no kissing and naked up, kids. Not happening. Uh, real quick, I did get a note from uh, Beth, and Beth has a son who attends uh, Community College of Baltimore County, and uh, they still make the kids wear idiotic masks in class. Uh, in class where uh, there are 10 or more people in the room, they are still requiring people to wear stupid masks. And I want to call out the Community College of Baltimore. If you know anybody there, just say, hey, nothing against Community College of Baltimore. But whoever's in charge of deciding that kids need to wear masks in class need to be fired. Because everybody knows now, after all of the nonsense that we went through, that wearing a cloth mask on your face to prevent COVID is about as effective as wearing a cowboy hat to go scuba diving. 
So uh, she uh, went, Beth uh, wrote the school and said, uh, what the heck is going on? And, uh, and uh, so uh, she hasn't gotten any satisfaction from that, but uh, has said, hey, man, why are you doing anything? Uh, when is the CCBC going to re- reevaluate the universal mask policy in the school? What is the policy? So says the, the current, this is their response, current protocols require masking in all classrooms on campus have been in effect since the beginning of COVID. Well, get rid of them, doofus. Um, the college continues to monitor the COVID positivity rate in Maryland, Baltimore County, CCBC specifically. You know what? I don't care, Dr. Eckhart. Get rid of the stupid masks. They've always been a joke. Thanks for the note, Beth. I hope that does something. Uh, And again, if you know anybody at the Community College of Baltimore, uh, nothing against you, but whoever's in charge of this idiotic ruling uh, needs to be fired. Or at least given something else to do. Toilets need to be cleaned. Uh, This is a nurse, Tony Bettner talking about uh, kids and uh, mitocarditis, what she has seen. She has testified a couple of times at Clinton County Commission meetings, and I'm going to let her do the talking. Tony Bittner, I came before you guys a year ago. I'm a nurse, or at least I was, at Rady Children's in the cardiovascular intensive care unit until Nathan and his misinformation pandemic caused me to lose my job. Huh. I took care of those children who came in with myocarditis after the vaccine. And I talked to the doctors because I was a charge nurse saying, why aren't we reporting these to bears? Who is going to report these to bears? It was an unspoken thing that we were not allowed to talk about openly on the unit. There's this vaccine adverse reaction site, by the way. I've worked for 13 years in this community, taking care of some of the sickest patients. The day before I was taken away from my position, I was actively giving compressions to a child, pushing Abby, pushing calcium into his veins to keep him alive. And we did, and he went home. And yet, I was ridiculed by those who are supposed to be my colleagues and my friends. I am the face of your misinformation campaign, Nathan. I am the one who lost my career in pediatric cardiovascular ICU care. I took care of children who had COVID. I never got COVID in the hospital. I tested twice a week. I wore my PPE because I loved my job. And I loved this community. Anyone who was fired for not getting vaccinated uh, needs to be reinstated with back pay. This includes all military members. And those who perpetrated all this nonsense on us need to be tried in court. We need to find out where this bloody this 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 uh, virus came from, who funded it, and who covered it up, and who perpetrated this crap on us. Let's go to Donna in Annapolis. Donna, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hi. Um, I just wanted to let you know, along the lines of uh, hospitals getting paid for COVID, yes. that my husband works in an, in emergency medicine, and he was required to go test a patient. 
for COVID after they had passed away uh, from resuscitation. So when somebody passed away, even if they didn't die of COVID, they were asked to be tested positive for or tested for COVID. Then what happened? Well, you get paid for that. Of course, you got paid for it. So it yeah. goes on. He has to fill out the the death certificate, and that's on the death. Well, do you know any have any idea what the monetary amount that hospitals got for positive COVID death diagnoses? I'm sorry, I don't. So I don't okay. work in the business office, but I'm just letting you know it did happen. All right. Thank you, Don. I appreciate it. I know, and we know this. Uh, my my wife, or my, no, my sister, Lori, she has a friend whose uh, father died, um, and they said he died of COVID. Uh, he never even got tested for it. How would you like that on your, on your family's death certificate that you died of COVID and you didn't have it? Talk about taking away their death from them. Stick around. If you're down with trigger warnings, you might want to listen to something else. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. Uh, The president of Convention of States, Mark Meckler, joins us on the phone. Hello, uh, Mark. Welcome, and thanks for joining us on the Newsmax Hotline. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, let's talk about this. Uh, and I've, I've already been talking about this poll uh, you guys uh, did. Um, and I, sh- I started sharing it on Monday. A uh, new poll of voters say that they are not voting for candidates who support Democrat policies preventing police from effectively dealing with violent crime. I would assume that all of the videos we've been seeing for the last six years of uh, smash and grab robberies, uh, most ultimately this last weekend, I guess kind of one of the zeniths of this, this uh, has been the uh, the trashing of the Wawa store in Philadelphia and the descent of Philadelphia, the latest Democrat enclave uh, to descend into the pits of hell. Uh, tell us about the survey and what people are saying about what they're sick of in this country. You know what I think is interesting about the survey? So the number that you named at 77.6% say they wouldn't vote for people who are helping the police or forcing the police to put people back on the streets after committing violent crimes. The number's actually much higher than that. And this is, we actually, in a way, Rob, I feel a little bit bad about this. We sort of fudged it. And what I mean by that is the number is actually 96.7%. What? It's just, it, it was so high that the way that the question divided, you had two answers. One said they're not likely at all to vote for those people, and the other said not very likely. So when you combine those two, it's 96.7% wow. say that they're not very likely or not likely at all to vote for people who support policies that prevent police from detaining violent people. Now, I mean, those are huge numbers, but... Dear Lord. But no no kidding, right? I mean, who is actually going to say, oh, well, we want the police to put violent criminals back on the streets? The disconnect is that people still vote for people who are going to vote to put violent criminals back on the street. So, you know, if you yeah. if you look at the way Democrats vote, they vote to put people in office who are going to put violent criminals on the streets. And that's the problem that we have. There's a disconnect between what people actually believe when you ask them about the issues and how they actually vote. Uh-huh. So if you look at this by party, you've got 60 percent of Democrats saying they wouldn't vote for those people, but almost all of them are. Yeah. Now, this is a kind of an aha moment for me because um, uh, with regard to uh, uh, Democrats, um, generally, w- w- sorry, I, I just I, I just got distracted. The dog just walked in the door. I apologize. Shut the door, please. Um, but as far as, you know, people, people, I think universally. Thank you. Uh, 
I, I do my show from home, by the way, Mark. I didn't know if you know this. You know, uh, Rob, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. What? I have two Great Danes and a shepherd uh, here, yeah. so I'm laughing because that happens here regularly. Thank God yeah, I'm uh, not on camera right now. Yesterday I saw Benny Johnson, who does some Newsmax stuff. His little girl walks into the studio while he's doing In the middle of a great point, his daughter walks in. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, 60% of Democrats, uh, and this is why so many Democrats are not debating this season. This is why Katie Hobbs is not debating uh, um, uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona. This is why John Fetterman has agreed to a debate after, I mean, a month into early voting in Pennsylvania against Dr. Oz, because they know they're going to get curb stomped on this issue and others, and it clearly is resonating, and if they're on the record in a debate trying to defend this stuff, that's a campaign ad. Yeah, I think that is correct, and I think this is interesting. I, I would call it a Joe Biden strategy. If you think about how Joe Biden got elected president, he had the excuse of COVID, but essentially he stayed locked in his basement the entire time. So I think candidates are looking at that and their advisors are telling them, look, it worked for Biden. You're better off if you're not out there. You're better off not debating. So let's just wow. keep you in the basement. And, I, you know, it's working for some, but I'm starting to see the effects. And I think we're going to see some Republicans win specifically because the Democrats won't debate. Well, listen to this. As far as uh, Fetterman. Um, he has taken mentions of Black Lives Matter off of his website. Kind of interesting, because uh, Black Lives Matter we're now finding is a giant uh, Ponzi scheme. It's a joke. Uh, a lot of money has gone towards mansions. Nothing has gone to the people it's supposed to uh, fix. So he's gotten rid of that. Then you also have this. Uh, Mehmet Oz has apparently, he is in striking distance uh, of, um, and this according to, uh, this is a Fox News poll, uh, uh, with 45 to 41, Fetterman over Oz. So it's clearly hitting home that Fetterman not only has cognitive issues, but he is a radical leftist. Your thoughts? He is a radical leftist. And, you know, all of our polling we do with Trafalgar, I think Trafalgar calls this yeah. race now two points apart. Yeah. Uh, and I think he he's predicting now that Oz is going to continue to trend up and that Fetterman's going to trend down. Uh, Fetterman has the boat anchor around his neck at this point. I think he's going down. I don't I don't think he's capable of making it all the way to Election Day. Yeah, when he uh, when he said during the, uh, the uh, presser the other day and they asked about the lump on his neck and he said, what hump? And uh, just like in uh, Marty Feldman and uh, Young Frankenstein. Uh, and that's another thing. Has anybody investigated the giant lump on the back of his head? Yeah, and the answer is no. And he won't reveal his medical records, which is outrageous. Uh, look, this is a guy who had a very serious stroke. They said it almost killed him. This is a guy with other health issues. The public deserves to know before they go to vote who they're putting in office. Is he even going to make it until his next election? And I think it's possible that he's got very serious health complications he doesn't want us to know about. I think it's a, it's a damn shame and, and out of humanity. And I mean this. I mean, I could give a rat's behind about John Fetterman, but dear God in heaven, Somebody tell him, take a break. If you want to live a long life, you've got to do something about your health. And they are just like so many, including, I'll just go ahead and say, our first lady, Jill Biden, putting office in front of health. It is clear that Joe Biden is uh, has got massive cognitive issues. He recognized a woman who died literally two months ago yesterday during a presser. And, and honestly, it's, it's just, not, have you done any polling on this? Recently. Yeah, look, we've done polling on not on that issue broadly, but on President Biden. And what we've been told by the American public is 
the majority of the American public don't believe he's mentally competent to be the president of the United States. I just read a poll that was 56%. This uh, poll that I read a little while ago, about 56% of all of us believe he's not cognitively up to the uh, job of doing president. And at, at what point, is it 57%? Is it 61% that we say, he's got to go? He's got to be removed from office. Honestly, I've never seen anything like this, where a party would forsake humanity, uh, et cetera, for keeping someone in office. Uh, clearly, the reason they want to keep him in office is because he will say anything they want him to say and sign anything they want him to sign. There's, there's, yeah, well, if, but if yesterday's any indication or that press conference, sometimes he says things they don't want him to say as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, now, you are uh, the president of Convention of States. Uh, I look at what's happening in the country. Uh, we have a divide in the country. There are many. If I had my druthers, I would say, okay, go to your corners. Go to California. If you are a, a socialist, go to California. Go to New York. Go to whatever. Uh, and, and within a year, you will be begging to come back in. You will be uh, streaming to get across the border. You won't have enough to eat. Your lights will be gone. Uh, and in Venezuela is what you'll become. Convention of States... Tell us about the effort and what a convention of states could do to write uh, the country. Uh, I mean, look, not like write, like to write physically, but to write like a ship, the country. Yeah, look, and I think you're directly over the target. The reason that we can live in a country together when we don't like each other, when we have different ideologies and different ideas about how we should run our lives it's called federalism, and yeah. this is what it was designed for. If you think about the convention in 1787, those men didn't like each other. The states didn't trust each other. They had almost gone to war against each other before the revolution, but they knew that they needed to live together for reasons of existential threat. There were foreign nations that were a threat to them, much like it is today. Yeah. And today, we're no different. Human nature hasn't changed. We don't like each other all that much. If you're in New York, you generally don't like people in Alabama and vice versa. And this is true all over the country, regionally and state by state. And so the method for living together in that situation is federalism, where we say, look, California can be loony left and guys like Mark who don't want to live there anymore can leave and go to Texas like I did. Good. But if we have a centralized government that tells us, it tells all of us what to do and that we all have to live according to one set of rules, the country is going to rip itself apart. Yeah. So convention of states is using Article 5 of the Constitution to call a convention to propose amendments to restore federalism, to give the power back to the states, to impose term limits, to impose a balanced budget amendment, and to do away with things like the Department of Education and Energy and to get the federal government out of the business of health care. These are things the federal government should have never done, and the states can do it just fine on their own. And if we go back to that, maybe, just maybe, we can live together. Now, how, how close are we getting to the possibility of a convention of states? I think we're getting very close. So it takes 34 states to call. So far, 19 states have passed the resolution. Gotcha. But here's the important number. 31 states today have both houses controlled by Republicans. Boom. Yeah, so we're almost to the 34. Honestly, by the end of this cycle, I think we'll be at 33 houses. Wow. Uh, 33 states with both houses controlled. And I can guarantee you almost in next year is an off-year election in Virginia. Virginia is going to flip the Senate, and that will make both of their houses controlled by Republicans, wow. and we'll be at the magic 34. So I think we're getting really close to getting this done. I think that uh, these state races and these uh, um, uh, going on around the country, uh, for instance, um, uh, for instance, a governor um, in uh, in uh, not only Maryland, Dan Cox, don't know how, uh, you know, how we'll see, we'll see. Who, who, there could be a miracle. But uh, like Doug 
Mastriano has a real shot at it. Um, yep. What are you seeing as far as state polling versus national polling? National polling is always going to skew wicked left. What are you are you seeing races in states tightening up? Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, I think one of the things, if you want to know what the harbinger is for our national politics, look at what's going on in the state legislatures. They always lead the way. If you look at last cycle, 2020, 164 seats in state legislatures across the country flipped from blue to red. And remember, that's a year that's not a red wave. Now we're in more of a red wave year. I think we're going to see more seats than that flip. Uh, we're getting close to 2,000 seats having flipped roughly, I think, since uh, 2010, since the Tea Party movement era. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are absolutely extraordinary, and we work in all 50 states. Our folks are out there on the ground. Yeah. We will participate in over 450 state legislative elections around the country. So to me, when I look at what's going on the ground closest to the people, it is a red wave that's taking place over a decade. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, I'll just, I'm just going to tell you, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. And I'm going to cackle, and I'm going to stand on the figurative bodies of, of liberal policies that have absolutely failed on November the 9th. I really believe that. I think people are pissed off. Uh, they have had enough. I, I, I really, uh, my expression, that the, the, the one that I'm, my mantra now is, we're done. We're done with the transgender nonsense. We're done with the CRT nonsense. We're done with it. I'm a Gen Xer. I think you are as well. We never were raised with racism. We, we were past that. We watched uh, Schoolhouse Rock. We watched Sesame Street. We didn't think twice about it. We watched Roots, Roots on television. We watched uh, you know, All in the yep. Family. We also watched the Jeffersons. I love George Jefferson. Dear God in heaven, I dressed like J.J. Walker. I was a white kid from Iowa. What the <laughs> hell? Uh, and honestly, who, great American melting pot. Dear God. And they brought up all this crap, and they divided it. And you know the one thing they, they forgot, Mark? The the, the class of 1968, the Marxist utopians, the one thing that they weren't able to do is make us all hate America. And that's what's going to cause them to do a face plant this November. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think this is a wider wave. It's actually a worldwide wave. The blowback against woke is beginning. If you look at what's going on in Europe right now, uh, Italy, Georgia, Maloney, yes, yes. she just was elected prime minister. Man, if you listen to her, she is a passionate partisan of God, family, culture, and life. Yeah. She's just elected in a right-leaning coalition. The EU is going insane. They're trying know, to figure out how to stop her, how to stop <laughs> Orban. The right is ascendant in Europe yeah, today because yeah. they've gone even further with woke, and they've had it. And you're yeah. going to see the same thing happening here in the United States the blowback is just beginning. This is uh, fascinating, Mark, and I hope that we can uh, we can talk at length further. I, I do believe that we're at a point that the Democrats are going to get slaughtered in such a profound fashion that they have to uh, either uh, blow up and reinvent the party or just fade into the uh, the rearview mirror of history because they've really bleeped themselves while they were bleeping the American people. I, I believe this. Uh, Mark, thanks for the uh, the time today, man. I appreciate your input. Uh, where can people find, obviously, conventionofstates.com? right conventionofstates.com is the place if they want to follow me personally they can go to markmeckler.com all right my brother have a glorious day well, let's get you on again a couple times before the election shall we sounds good god bless you rob you too bro uh let's take a break you are listening to the rob carson show first year in office summed up in three words. Welcome back, Carter. That's not right. It's not fair to us. And honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. All right. So uh, before the end of the show, we have a new parody. If you haven't heard it about uh, 
liars on the storm about uh, global warming, blaming uh, climate change for hurricanes and whatnot. I want to mention a couple things here uh, real quick. Uh, first of all, there was a good deal of talk yesterday about uh, this uh, artist. Her name's Lizzo. And she's this uh, rap uh, singer. And uh, and I've heard a couple of her songs. My daughter, you know, she'll listen to the, uh, let her have the radio and listen to Spotify on the way home. And she's, she's really brilliant. I mean, she twerks and all that, whatever. I don't find that particularly uh, pleasant, you know, if you saw her. But anyway, because I'm not into that Rubenesque thing. But, uh, but she's, she's actually very, very, very good. And she sounds a lot like there's another singer named Estelle, real similar, and uh, kind of moves between rap and, and singing. And she also plays a flute. Nobody knew she played the flute. So yesterday she went to the National Archives. She got to play a 200-year-old flute that I guess belonged to James Madison. And here she is. I believe this is in. It's if it's not the Capitol Rotunda, it's, it's one of the uh, main buildings on the on Capitol Hill. Playing a little bit. I want you to listen to this because it's beautiful. It, I mean, it really, all joking aside, is beautiful. This is uh, Lizzo playing a flute, a crystal flute given to James Madison. There is no denying beauty like that. There's no denying it. Absolutely stunning. Then I had a question yesterday. I'm not a big sports guy. I don't know if you knew this. But yesterday, Aaron Judge hit the 61 home run of his season, which tied him with Roger Maris. Now, I was a little bit put out by this because in 1998, I went to see Mark McGuire hit his 62nd in St. Louis. So he beat Maris's records, and Maris's son was about 30 rows in front of me on the first base line. So when I heard this last night, I was a little surprised. And the 3-2. Joe deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs. The most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. And that's where the confusion was. American League, National League. So I thought that because of the steroid controversy, Mark McGuire's record had been erased. Or there was an asterisk on it. Regardless, it's a massive achievement. Massive, massive, massive achievement. And because it is a fresh parody, I want to play it one more time before the end of the show about hurricanes and climate change. Climate change making storms bigger and more costly. Climate change is ravaging the coast. Now with climate change in these extreme warm waters. Climate change intensifying hurricanes. And they say climate change is supercharging storm systems like this one. Liars on the storm. This is Jim Gossett as John Kerry. Liars on the storm. And Al Gore later in the show. You'll hear it. We blame the hurricane on fake climate change. We're liars on the storm. We say the Earth's too warm. Yeah, it was cold in the 70s, right? And that somehow caused the storm. Now it's climate change. Global warming is our scheme to achieve our Marxist dream. We're liars on the storm. Yeah, this is pollution. Sure. Me and my friend Al Gore. We're dishonest to the core. 
I've spread lies everywhere to become a billionaire. Watch my net worth soar. <laughs> He's a billionaire. A pair of frauds we are, and Joe made me climate czar. We're liars on the storm. There it is. If you want to hear that, by the way. Liars on the storm. Listen to today's podcast. Just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast really for all long. of the digital platforms. Back to wrap things up in a sec. Hands clasped, knees bent for the people of Florida in the path of the storm and those who've already been affected by it. I'll give you all the details on that tomorrow and how you can contribute and help out. Have a glorious evening. God bless you, your families, the people of Florida, the unborn. And until tomorrow, don't catch the stupid. I'll see you then.